0: Welcome to Macro Monday on Investic Focus Radio SAM, a podcast about what's driving global and local markets. I'm Chris Holdsworth, Chief Investment Strategist at Investic Wealth and Investment. Every Monday morning, I'll update you on key developments from the past week and what you need to know about the week ahead. If you'd prefer to watch a video with the graphs and charts I referred to in the podcast, just go to investec.com forward slash macro Monday. Good morning. This week, we're going to have a look at the latest developments with regards to global money supply and what that implies for the outlook for inflation and growth. We'll have a look at that U.S. GDP print, which is well above expectations. And finally, we'll see further signs of stabilisation at ESCOM. We're going to start off with money supply. U.S. money supply growth was down materially in September Year on year, it's now down around about 4% or so. It's down over one month, three months, six months, and 12 months. It's quite clearly the case that US M2 money supply growth is very weak at the moment. But it's not just the US. If you look at money supply growth out of Europe, it's currently negative as well. And if you look at global money supply, denominated in dollars, it's also down around about 3% year on year. And it's not often the case that you see money supply growth as weak as we're currently seeing across the globe. And what that implies is that we're likely to see lower nominal GDP growth over the coming 12 months or so. And money supply is a key leading indicator for the economy. So we're penciling in inflation to trend down over the coming year. We're penciling in growth to trend down over the coming year. This is unlikely to be the sort of environment where equities do very well in our view. Now, having said that, growth in the US up until now has been fairly strong. The Q3 GDP numbers for the U.S. came out last week. It came out at 4.9%. That was well above the consensus forecast of 4.5%. And over the past four quarters, we've had two quarters where U.S. growth has surprised materially on the upside. That is by beating consensus by more than 50 bps. It's been a fairly strong period for U.S. economic activity. And if we scratch a little, we can see that that's largely due to real private domestic consumption. If we strip out the volatile components of GDP, we're left with real private consumption expenditure, an estimate of core GDP, as it were. And that's been very strong of late in the last quarter running at 3.3 percent. So up until now, very strong growth. But the outlook is much weaker. Something has to give. If we have a look at those GDP numbers and we scratch it further, what we'll see is that domestic consumption growth was very strong but income growth for consumers in real terms was very weak. So in effect, what consumers did is they tapped into their savings at scale. And those excess savings in the US are currently being depleted. And with the prospect of paying down student loans coming, we're likely to see further depletion as well. So there's an elastic band which is being stretched in the US and at some point it comes back. The consensus view is that growth is very weak from next quarter, not quite recessionary type levels, but significantly weaker than, than we've seen over the past year. And we are largely aligned with that. We're about to see a material deceleration in U.S. economic activity as we start to see the knock-on consequences of much higher interest rates and as consumers have depleted excess savings. Switching to PPI inflation, there's good news pretty much across the globe. PPI inflation, as an example, in Germany came out last week at minus 15% year on year. The reason we look at PPI inflation is that it's a key leading indicator for CPI inflation. And if we're seeing very low prints for countries like Germany and the UK and even the US at just around 2%, it tells us that we're quite likely to see lower CPI prints in the not-too-distant future. As an example, if you look at Europe, there's a fairly strong relationship between PPI inflation and CPI inflation three months later, and there's a similarly strong relationship if we were to look at other countries, like for example the US or in fact South Africa. If we were to plug in the current minus 15% year-on-year estimate for PPI inflation, it tells us within three months we're likely to get a CPI number that's negative in Europe. That's very far away from the consensus forecast of about three and a half percent in three months time. So the point out of this is not necessarily that you CPI inflation will be negative in three months. It could well be the case. We land up with a number that's higher than that. What's more likely, though, however, is that the consensus forecast of three and a half percent in three months time is too high. And so we're likely to see. The current environment, just as we've seen PPI inflation come down materially, CPI inflation just started to come down quite materially in Europe too, and to surprise on the downside. Now, with that in the back of his mind, you need to recognise that the market is only pencilling in rate cuts in the US and in Europe from around June next year. Given the deteriorating growth outlook and the fact that inflation looks like it's improving and the outlook's improving too, the risk is for an earlier cut than the market is currently pricing in. Switching to South Africa, ESCOM's energy availability factor was up to 60 in the data that was received over the past week. That's higher, not just than last year, but the year before that. And there does seem to be clear signs of stabilization slash improvement at ESCOM. And this is not simply due to a reduction in planned maintenance. Planned maintenance is running roughly in line with where it normally is for this time of the year. It's the unplanned maintenance which has been falling off. And the net result of that is if you look at the second half of the year to date, and you compare that to the second half of last year, and for the first time in several years, we're now looking at a point where the average energy availability factor for the second half looks to be roughly in line with where it was the year before which is an indication that the the escom's constraint on gdp growth across the country is now starting to stabilize and given that private individuals and corporates are making other plans for electricity generation such as Solar as an example it does suggest in fact that that constraint on growth that's been coming from electricity supply actually now for the first time is starting to ease and this is one of the reasons why we are overweight sa inc shares We do believe that diesel costs are likely to come down materially over the coming year. In addition, we expect to see rate cuts from the Saab, just as we expect rate cuts globally. And in addition to that, we don't think valuation is incredibly unattractive in SA. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. That's all for this episode. Do tune in next week for more investment insights from me, Chris Holdsworth, and the Investec Wealth and Investment team. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, you can subscribe to Investic Focus Radio SA wherever you listen. And please take a minute to rate our podcast so we can surface this content to the broader investment community. If you want to see the graphs that are referenced in the podcast, you can watch a video version of this recording at investec.com forward slash Monday. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment International and should not be taken as advice, guidance or recommendation. Investec Wealth and Investment International A member of the JSC Equity Equity Derivatives Currency Derivatives Bond Derivatives and Interest Rate Derivatives Markets An authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.